Wow, thank you, worship team. That was just great. Great to have you up here. Wonderful to have you leading, leading us as we worship. It's nice to see their smiles. It's great. Uh, well, three weeks ago, we started a series on the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. We talked about how Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, giving us a new environment, the environment of the church. The body of Christ is the church. And we talked about how, how we receive that new identity at the baptism that Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Last week, Pastor John D. talked about the filling of the Spirit, how although we have the Spirit in us, we don't always avail ourselves of the Spirit, and so we need the filling of the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish the things that God would have for us. And he, he taught us that that is primarily done just through choices of obedience, obediently following Christ with one thing after another, and then the Holy Spirit fills us. And so I ask the question, if God is living in us, why then do I still struggle with sin? If I am a new man in Christ, why does the old man seem to want to be so present all the time? And so today I hope that we can address some of those questions and really come to the, to the final question, how can I stop that pattern in my life and start a new pattern, a pattern that leads to spiritual fulfillment, a pattern that leads to, to uh, living for, for God's purpose in my life. And so that's what we're looking at to get to today. Let's uh, just pray one more time. Father, as we come to the scriptures today, we need you to open our eyes. We need the Holy Spirit who gave us the scriptures to give us the understanding of the scriptures. Help us today, Lord. There, there is a lot that we're covering. But Father, what we want is, is by the end to understand how we can live more purposeful lives for you. How we can attain to the righteousness that you would have for us, Lord. Please help us. In Jesus' name, amen. So it all started with Adam. God created Adam. Genesis says, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So God took the minerals of the earth and he formed man out of those minerals. So Adam was a body. And then God literally breathed his breath, his spirit, into man, and man now had life. Now, it's very different than all of the other creatures that are living. They were created with life. But man, God breathed life into him. And this is part of what it means to be made in the image of God, that, that God's spirit was put into us. And so, so the Lord created us as a physical body, and that physical body has world consciousness. Our physical body is what we interact with things in the world. The Lord created us with a soul, a living soul, and that soul is self-consciousness. The soul is the seat of the emotions. It's our will. It's where we make decisions from. That is our soul. And the Lord gave us, by breathing into us, he gave us a living spirit. So now we have a spirit as well, which means that we are able to commune with God. God is in spirit. God is a spirit. 
And so in order for us to commune with God, to have fellowship with God, we must be a spirit. So we're created with, with body, soul, and spirit. And in that, we were created perfectly. But we were created without that choice. We were just made to automatically be in relationship with God. What a beautiful thing. God made us so that we could be fully satisfied in him. But then Adam and Eve were given a choice. The choice was whether or not they would continue in this beautiful relationship that they had with God. Sadly, they chose wrong. They chose to not do things God's way. They chose to exalt themselves and be their own gods rather than God being God. And in making that choice, something horrible happened to them. You see, before they even made that choice, God warned them, the day that you sin, the day that you turn away from me will be the day that you die. And surely that very day, the spirit that was alive in Adam and Eve died and no longer could communicate with God, no longer could have have effective and intimate relationship with the God who created them. Their spirits were now dead within them. In addition to that, their soul was corrupted. And in being corrupted, it means that it was, it was focused on itself. And it would live to, to satisfy itself only. Their soul would be scarred by sin. Now, one thing that we, we, we have to understand that Adam and Eve maybe didn't get right away but that their decision had a very long-lasting result. And doesn't sin do that to us? It makes us not see beyond the now. That's what sin does to us. But for Adam and Eve, when they, made, when they sinned against God, that meant that their sin nature, their scarred soul, and their dead spirit would be passed on to their children, to their grandchildren, and all their progeny, and here we all are. And we were all born with a scarred soul and a dead spirit, a spirit that does not communicate with God. Basically, a soul and a spirit that are in rebellion against God. Also with that came their body. Their body was given now, was the, the ability to live forever was taken away from their body. And now their body was decaying. And we live with that. And that that body of decay means that eventually we will die. And that physical death is a reminder that there has been a spiritual death. If we didn't die physically, our spirit and our soul probably wouldn't even remind us that there's been a problem. But the fact that we live in decaying bodies, that bodies that will die, it reminds us that indeed there has been a spiritual death, something that we can do nothing about. So you might think it's unfair that we should suffer, that we should be, be given the, the very nature that Adam and Eve had because they sinned. But the Bible makes clear that we're judged not just for Adam's sin, but also for our own. In Ecclesiastes, it says, indeed, there is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and who never sins. And then in the New Testament, it says, as in Adam, all die. You see, we are living with the results of Adam's sin, but also of our own. Our own sin nature and our own sin actions. We have been born with a dead spirit without the capacity 
to be in close, beautiful fellowship with God. And our soul has been scarred by sin. Sins of ourselves and sins of others. But our souls have been scarred. So the soul, as I said, is that self-conscious part of us. And it's been corrupted. And now because it's corrupted, it wants to rule everything we do. Everything that we do, everything that we do in our body and in our life is in response to this sin-scarred soul or is under control of that soul. Our bodies are subjected to it. And because we have a dead spirit, we have no hope of being freed from the power of that soul. You see, when when Adam was created, all these things were in beautiful harmony and were functioning beautifully together. But now it's all out of whack, and the soul is trying to reign and rule every other part of the body. And our spirit is not there to help it. We have become slaves to our sin nature. So that's the theology behind this. But what does it mean practically for us? Well, practically, it means that that I am born self-seeking, self-satisfying. I'm looking to, to saturate myself with pleasure. I'm looking to feed myself and do everything to please me. And the reason why I do that is because the original creation, I was created to love and be satisfied, fully satisfied in God. But now, because I cannot be in communication with God and have close fellowship with God, I can never be satisfied. So in fact, what I do is I turn to other things. As God substitutes, I look to anything to fill me, to satisfy me, at least for a moment. So I may turn to power, or to control, or to money, or to sex, or to obsession, or to compulsion, whatever it is. I turn to these things because I must get fulfilled. And even though that filling might be only temporary, I'm seeking it with all I have and at any cost because I must satisfy myself. The sad thing is that because it's only temporary, I'm chained to those very things. Those very things become an ensnarement for me. They become... They become suffocating to me because I have to keep going back to them in order to be satisfied. That God substitute never really satisfies me the way God would have. But that's all I have. That's all I can turn to. And so what is the hope for humankind? If left to ourselves, there would be no hope at all. But God... I love this, but God, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You see, there's the hope of the gospel. The good news, the gospel, the good news is that Jesus Christ came and he gave himself for us. While we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive by Christ. Now this happens to us. We are are given an enlivened spirit by Christ. This happens because we receive Jesus' death as a substitute death for our dead spirits. Our spirits are dead. But now when we receive Jesus as our Savior, when we trust in him as the, 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 the payment for our sin, then we are given 
the ability to have a new heart and a new life because of our identification with him, because his death was a substitute for mine, his death in place of mine. Hear what the Lord tells us about this in Romans 6. It says, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death, talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. So here's how this works. If I am your slave, I must live everything I do for you. You tell me whatever I have to do and I must do it. If I'm your slave, I have no will of my own. I can only do your bidding until I die. Once I die, I'm freed from that relationship. Our slave to master thing that you and I had no longer exists if I'm dead. You can boss me around, but I'm not obligated to do it. You have legally lost your right to be my slave master. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here. He's saying that because we were united with Christ in his death, that we have died to our master, the sin nature within us. In other words, that sin nature no longer has the legal right to rule us. And we are no longer obligated to follow everything that the sin nature tells us. We have died to sin. And not only that, but we were identified with Christ in his resurrection, which means that our dead spirit has been given new life. Our dead spirit is now alive. So we, if we've died to that sin, to that slave to master relationship, and we have a new spirit in Christ, now we've been given all that we need, so it would seem, to live for Christ. The slave master has lost his legal right to rule me, and I am no longer under the obligation to live in that way. And because I have that renewed spirit or an enlivened spirit, I can now connect to the Holy Spirit who lives in me. And so the, between the revived spirit of mine and the Holy Spirit living in me, then I can walk in a new way. I can walk the new life. I can walk the walk of Jesus Christ. And that walk is characterized by righteousness. The only way that I can possibly do that is because that slave to master relationship has been dissolved when I identified with the Christ, with the death of Christ. And that's what happens to all of us. When Jesus comes into our heart, we now identify with his death, his death, his substitute death for our spirits. We are given a new enlivened spirit and that slave to master relationship of our sin nature has been dissolved. But have you ever noticed that you still struggle with sin? I do. Like, it sounds like, okay, great. It should all work beautifully now, but it 
doesn't always work that way. At least it doesn't for me, and I'm pretty sure it doesn't for you as well. Every believer faces temptation, but at every temptation, you and I have a choice. Are we going to follow that old slave to master relationship, or are we going to follow the Holy Spirit? And I make that choice every time. Will I revive that relationship, or will I live in this new relationship that I have with the Holy Spirit? Prior to the Holy Spirit, I never had a choice. I was obligated. I had to obey the sinful nature which was ruling in my heart. But now I have the choice. Now, the reason why we don't always follow the Holy Spirit, why there's many times we give in to that old sin nature, is because that sin nature still wants control. It still wants to rule everything even though it has no legal right to do that. So he's no longer the master but he's still present in my life. Yes, I've been given a new spirit, but that corrupted soul is still a part of me and is still, still waging war in me. Now, remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes in us, Christ said that he would give us rivers of living water. You see, there are times in our lives where we, we turn the valve off, where we put the dam up, and those rivers aren't flowing because we're not connecting to the Holy Spirit because we're, we're giving in to the sinful nature. But remember that we have a choice. At every single temptation, you and I can choose to follow the Holy Spirit or to give in to the old master. Paul made that choice. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You see what he did? He said, I traded my old life. I traded that slave to master relationship. I don't, leave, I don't have to live in that way anymore. And instead, I'm choosing to obey the Holy Spirit. And my body is, is obeying what the Holy Spirit says rather than what the old slave master says. And then if we go back to Romans 6, we see that Paul is urging us to make the same choice. Listen to what he says. Therefore, do not let sin reign. Do not let. That's a choice. I can either let it or I cannot let it. So do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go. There's the choice. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present a choice. Present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So because of the death of Christ and because of the resurrection of Christ and because that when the Holy Spirit comes in us, we identify with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was in our place. We are given a choice and we are expected to continue to choose to refuse. And we're gonna, you're going to hear that, choose to refuse. To choose to refuse to allow the sin nature its rule. It doesn't have the legal right. It still wants to, but now it's my choice whether or not I give it that rule or whether I obey the Holy Spirit in it. 
So I want to choose to refuse to allow sin to reign in my body. So whenever that sin nature raises its head and says, I want you to use your eyes for this. I want you to listen to this. Use your tongue for evil right now. Use your hands. Use any of your body parts. The sin, sin nature wants to rule our body parts. And we have the choice to say no. No. I could never say no to it before, but now because the Holy Spirit lives in me, I can say no. It sounds so easy, right? But why do so many of us live in defeat? So we have to look at Paul. Paul talks about this life of defeat, and I want to look at Romans chapter 7 now. This is a famous passage, and Paul explains his own struggle with sin. He says, for I know nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil thing that I do not want to do. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. <clears throat> I find then, <clears throat> excuse me, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. So Paul is simply saying, I don't want to do evil, but I do it. I want to do good, but I don't do that. All of my effort, I put in so much effort, and yet it always ends in failure. You see, he could not overcome the power of the sinful nature in him. And so I asked the question, so what good is it? If the Lord has given us a new spirit, but we still have this corrupt soul that's trying to rule, and I can't overcome that corruption in my soul, what good is it following Christ? Now follow me here. The law is perfect. God has set up a high standard of his law. And his law is the absolute perfect picture of who he is, of his character, of all of his qualities. And he says to you and me, be holy as I am holy. And we can't do it. But he puts that standard there not to be some random mean God says, try, just try. No, he puts that standard there because he knows when we live by that standard, we will be most satisfied and enjoy him most and our lives will be most fulfilled. But the problem is I can't meet that standard on my own. So I'm going to try. I might desire to live up to God's law but there's this stronger law that's in me, the sin nature that keeps wanting to win. I can't keep up. I cannot meet the requirements of the law in and of myself. And this is why at the end of this passage in Romans 7, Paul says, what a wretched man that I am. But I want you to notice something about that passage that's really important. While Paul is talking about his struggle with sin, he never once mentions the Holy Spirit there because he's trying to do it on his own. The conclusion is, if I'm trying to reach this standard of God's perfect law on my own, it's impossible. 
I can't do it. I should give up. We can never make ourselves holy. We can never make ourselves righteous. We can never make ourselves sanctified. We just cannot do it. Now, this doesn't excuse us from the command to be holy as God is holy. The standard is still there, but I can't meet it, and I'm not excused from the standard. And that's why this passage is in the scripture, to show us this. And this is why at the end of this passage, when he says, what a wretched man that I am, and then he exclaims with this question, who will set me free from this body of sin and death? You see, Paul knew he couldn't do it on his own. He could not live the righteous life on his own. It was only by the power of the Holy Spirit. The who, who can set me free, is Jesus. Now, have you ever felt like Paul? Who can set me free? What a wretched man that I am. What a wretched woman. Have you ever felt like that? I have definitely felt that way. I have experienced that love-hate relationship with sin. I have experienced the, the doubts that, am I one of God's forgotten followers? Does he really remember me that I still live in defeat every day? I think of, of David in the Old Testament who's, who describes the same situation. He says, the cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. I have felt that in my life, and I know many of you have here. You know, before I was a Christian, I did good things and I did bad things, and I knew it. I knew some of those things were good, I knew some of those things were bad, but I didn't really care about it because I knew I was still better than the next guy, right? There's always somebody worse, right? I, I could do all kinds of bad things, but there's always somebody worse. I didn't really care. But when I heard that Jesus died for my sin and that I could receive him by faith and experience new life, I gave my heart to Christ and I trusted him as my savior. Well, at that moment, he then implants his law on my heart. So now I become aware, oh, there is a godly standard and I'm supposed to meet that standard. I have to reach that standard. Well, because that standard is there, I become aware that there is a law. Well, it seemed like when I became aware of that law, of that righteousness, that all that did was excite that sin nature. Hmm, what's this? Somebody trying to rule my body? No way. And that sin nature rises up and says, I still want rulership. Even though I legally don't have it, I'm going to take it again. And so I would try my hardest to put that down, put that down, put that down, and live up to the law. And so every day I lived in this, this meter going on in my, in my life. I'd say, oh, good, I had my devotions for three days in a row. I'm a good boy. God really loves me today. Oh, no, I had four days where I haven't even said a word of prayer to the Lord. The Lord must not love me today. I really hate that brother. I can't stand that guy. Oh, well, God must hate me then, right? I'm really having a hard time getting along with that guy. Oh, I went to church today. I served really well. I even helped serve in the kitchen. Oh, God's really pleased. I lived in this up and down of God's pleasure. And God's looking at me and saying, why are you doing that? What are you waiting for? You see, because I was trying to attain God's righteous law in my own strength. 
and I didn't have it in me. Even though my spirit was alive, and even though the Holy Spirit was in me, I was not living like that. Why? Because I wasn't following the Holy Spirit. I was in a constant battle, and I know that you here have experienced that same thing. And we look at David and Paul and say they experienced that too, and we can take comfort in the fact that they experienced it too. But when you get to the point and you cry, what a wretched man that I am. Who can rescue me from this body of sin and death? Then you turn the page in your Bible and you realize that Romans chapter seven goes right into Romans chapter eight and tells us, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't have to condemn myself on this meter. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. You see, the law of sin and death is trying to rule me. I've been freed from that. The law of the spirit of Christ has set me free from that. And so moving on, it says, it says, for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature. In other words, knowing God's righteous law was good to know it, but it was weak. It had weakness because it could not, it could not restrain the sinful nature in me by itself. So let me move on. It says, for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by sinful nature, God did. See, I couldn't do it. God had to do it, and he did it. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. So the law couldn't ever give me righteousness because I have a sin nature. So God solved the problem by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man so I could be in the likeness of his death. And his death, his substitute death for my dead spirit. And now, now I can follow him. And so he condemned sin in sinful man. This is so important. He condemned the sin in sinful man. When you condemn a building, what are you saying about that building? You're saying it's useless, tear it down. It has no purpose anymore. That's exactly what God does does with our sinful nature. He condemns it. It's useless. It has no power. It can't rule you anymore. It will try, but don't let it. You don't have to to give in to that. So he condemns sin in sinful man in order that those righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. There's the choice. You see, I have the choice. Either I will walk step by step in the sinful nature, making decision after decision in the sinful nature, or I will walk step by step by the Spirit. You see, and it's not a once and done thing. You know, it's not like when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit is put in us once and done. That is a once and done thing. But after that, it's step by step by step. It's every choice, every moment of every day. It's a choice that you and I get to make. When we submit to the Holy Spirit, the righteous requirement of the law is fully met in us. How can that be? It's the miracle that God does. When we submit to the Spirit, the righteous requirement of the law is fully met in us because God has written his law on my heart. You see, the law 
before it was written on my heart was external. And I needed something inside to be able to follow it, and I didn't have it. But now the law is written internally, right where the Holy Spirit lives. <laughs> and if I allow him to do it and take that step and take the next step, then he's just saying, you're fulfilling the law I have put in your heart. That's such a beautiful thing. There's so much freedom in that. The question is, will I take the step? Will I step that direction or will I step this direction? Let's move on. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So you want to know if you're following the Spirit or following the sinful nature, what's your mind set on? That's what this is saying. What is your mind set on? Either your mind is set on the sinful nature or it's set on what the Spirit desires. What are you filling with? What are you feeding with? So you all know the story probably, but uh, of, of the, uh, the, the dog trainer, pit bull trainer, who was raising pit bulls. And every Saturday night, he'd bring them, bring them to the club and they'd fight and the people would bet on them. And every Saturday night, the owner would win. Week after week after week, that owner was winning the bet as to he always knew which of the dogs was gonna win the fight. So finally, somebody said, why is it that you always win? He said, it's easy. The dog that I want to win, I feed that week. The dog that I don't want to win, I don't feed, and he doesn't win. It's the same thing with us. If we're going to feed our living spirit, that living spirit is going to rule, is going to rise up. But if we feed the sinful nature, well, it has the power. And so that's just what he's saying here. Those who live by the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. You and I get to choose what we feed our hearts. Truly, what we put in will come out. That's really the rule there. And then he tells us that the mind controlled by the sinful nature is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. What do you want? The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, ah, there's hope. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit, if the spirit of God lives in you, and he does. And if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. In other words, we're dead to that sinful nature, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. That is the righteousness of Christ. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. You see, we now as believers, because we have been given a living spirit in us, and because the Holy Spirit actually indwells us and has written the law of Christ on our hearts, we now have the ability to turn down the rulership of sin and the sinful nature in our soul and to say yes, to live up to the righteous requirements of Christ. And we do that by the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit, says that the Holy Spirit 
had the power to raise Jesus from the dead. That's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to live. And so we make choices. Understand that because Christ died, that he put the Holy Spirit in us, gave us a living spirit, and so now we can actually do the works of the law. But we do them by following the Holy Spirit. We can actually do that when we submit to the Holy Spirit. And finally, here it is. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. An obligation. We have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you, for if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God, in other words, those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, are sons of God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. If you have struggled with the sin nature, you have suffered. You have shared in the sufferings of Christ. Now that's not all the sufferings he's talking about here, but that is part of our suffering, that we suffer when we say no, when we choose to refuse the sinful nature and choose to step by step the, the, the Holy Spirit, following the Holy Spirit. When we do that, we are, we are entering into a kind of suffering. And so I want to just close today with a couple of things here. First of all, if you're here and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're here and you don't know who he is, if what I'm saying to you is like, what is this guy talking about? Just know this that if your sins have not been forgiven by Jesus Christ, you are enslaved to your sin nature. And Jesus today offers you freedom from that. That sin nature does not have to rule you. That sin nature does not have to reign in your body because Jesus Christ died in place of your dead spirit. And he today is offering you to have a living spirit in him. He's offering for you to receive him Put your faith and trust and hope in him and receive new spirit and hope for life because there's no other way to live with the kind of hope that Jesus Christ gives. So if that is you today, I would love for you to talk to me afterwards that you want to receive Jesus as your savior and experience this new life and stop allowing the the sin nature to rule you. For the believers here, I have some practical steps for you. First is to evaluate what you are putting in. Here's how this works. The Holy Spirit is the author of the scriptures. The Holy Spirit lives inside the heart of the believer. So the word of God must go in in order for the relationship between my spirit and the Holy Spirit to be working. We talked about the, the rivers of living water that we, we turn off the, the pipes. Well, if you wanna open up those pipes and not only open them up, but expand them, well, then you're gonna be putting the word of God in your heart. Here's the thing. If you're living a life of defeat, the first question you need to ask yourself is, how often do I go to the word? 
Because if you're, when people come to me for counseling about, oh, I'm really struggling with this, really struggling with this, are you in the word? Why? And boy, it sounds so black and white and so simplistic, but it's the truth. The only way you can overpower the sinful nature in you is to feed the spirit that's in you. And the food that the spirit is looking for is the word of God. If you're struggling, if you're defeated, get into the word. Start small, but get into the word. The other question I have, a second practical step, is evaluate what are you filling yourself with? What are you feeding that sin nature with? We can fill it with all kinds of things. We can fill it with gossip. We can fill it with staying among people who are complaining and joining in with the complaint. We can fill it with the computer, and I'm not just talking about pornography. We can fill our minds with things from the computer that just make us fearful. We can fill our minds with things from the computer that just get us thinking about things that are not of the Holy Spirit. See, our minds are set on the spirit of Christ rather than on the spirit of death. And so, so the question is, what are you feeding yourself? What are you filling yourself? Is it, worth, is, it, is it with the word of God? A third thing is just say no. Like seriously, just practice saying no. We have to say no. We have to choose to refuse here. Because this guy over here wants to rule my life. And if I say no today to that, then tomorrow, it might be a little easier to say no. The next day, maybe even a little easier. It doesn't work always that simple, but you gotta start somewhere, right? So choose to refuse. So this means that if, if your besetting sin is anger or is impatience, right? Well, right now, choose to fill your mind with something because you know a trigger's coming, right? If not on the car ride home from church soon after, right? A trigger is coming and is gonna make you want to feed that guy. It's gonna want to make you say, oh yes, slave to master relationship, back in order, right? So choose now. No, when the next trigger comes, I'm going to avail myself of the Holy Spirit, keep my patience, keep my mouth closed, and pray, okay? If if your thing is lust, if lust is the besetting sin, you're gonna be tempted again, right? So you choose now. Okay, the next time I am tempted, rather than saying, okay, let me resurrect that slave to master relationship, I'm going to say, no, no, I'm gonna use that temptation as a trigger to get into the word because I gotta put my mind on something else, right? So get in the word, whatever it is, find a good passage and get in it. If if the, the besetting sin is fear, worry, or anxiety, those kinds of things, and I'm not talking about chemical anxiety, okay? I'm just talking about general, general things like that. Choose now, choose today, that when that rises up, you have that choice. Resurrect the slave to master relationship or fill myself with truth. But you've gotta fill yourself now with the truth. I don't need to be afraid of the future because God is over the future, that's truth. Speak that truth when that guy rises up again, okay? I don't need to be afraid of this relationship because Jesus is protecting me. That's truth, right? So you go to truth. You can apply this to any besetting sin, any sin in which you have defeat, you can apply this in. And then the final thing, final thing to do. After, well, no, after today we have our, our meeting. After the meeting, go home, read Romans 6, Romans 7, Romans 8. Romans 6 is, 
You have died to sin. It wants to be your master. You're not obligated anymore. Romans 7, the law is there. And the law wants to make you feel defeated because the law can't give you any power to obey it. Romans 8, we have the Holy Spirit. We can meet the righteous requirements of the law simply by walking by the way of the Holy Spirit. Read Romans 6, 7, and 8. Pick one verse from there and memorize it. Even if it's Romans 8, 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Memorize just one verse from Romans 6, 7, or 8 and start to fill yourself with the word. Stephen's gonna come up and lead us in, in singing. Um, Stephen, let's do the first two verses of that song and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll close together. While we're, will you stand please? While we're singing, if any of you, what I'll call less mobile people, the people who just have a harder time getting around, if you could start and make your way back to the gym for the congregational meeting, if you're going to that, we would love if you did that now. Then after the song, I'll pray for the meal and we'll all be dismissed and can head back there. <laughs>